Good day once again and welcome back to the podcast. In our time travel adventure with Bet 75 years ago today, it's Tuesday, 17th of September, 1946. Before hearing today's letter written by Bet to her dad, we'll take the opportunity to enjoy several extracts from a recent report written by Betty as the reports officer for the Changsi Regional Office to head office in Shanghai. In the first section of the report, Section A, titled Civil, Military and Political, Bet writes, A mutiny occurred within a section of the armed forces stationed in this province about 15 miles south of Nanchang. There was dissatisfaction with conditions amongst the soldiers. The matter was settled after a few days during which shooting had occurred. Traffic on the highways was held up pending the settlement of the dispute. In the section related to welfare and displaced persons, she notes, Hunger-stricken persons from Hengyang, Hunan are swarming into Yangxin, Changxi to seek subsistence. The 9th Sunra Changsi field team at Hangxian is providing temporary shelter for these people. Under the section relating to distribution, she writes, Qucheng facilities are now adequate for handling some 12,000 to 15,000 tonnes of goods monthly from LSTs, LSMs and small craft. These provisions seem adequate having in view the length of the relief programme. The total shipments to Changxi, passing through the port of Qucheng in the first six months of this year, amounted to 9,652 tonnes, some 8,550 tonnes being foodstuffs. Under medical and health, she notes, Dead rats found in the eastern part of the river of Linchuan were analysed and found to contain the bubonic bacilli, The plague has not yet been checked and is still prevalent in the districts mentioned in the last report. Sunra has established an isolation hospital in Linchuan and is trying to obtain supplies of the anti-plague serum. Under transportation and communication, provincial government in recent session decided to effect the necessary repairs to Chengcheng Bridge, Nancheng. Heavy rains in the upper valley of the Khan River have resulted in the washing away of 14 bridges along the highways leading to Tai Ho and Xingqiu districts. A representative of the Provincial Highway Bureau was promptly dispatched to view the damage and authorised to proceed immediately with repairs. The regular air service from Nanking to Canton via Nanchang has been discontinued until further notice. And finally, under economic reporting, wages in Nanchang are rising steadily and, within each wage class, the wages are tending to level out. For example, weavers, mechanics and electricians have the same rate of pay and a male or female domestic servant demands the same wage. And masons and carpenters charge the same price whether in factories or doing outside work. Farm labour is likewise more expensive. Prices continue the upward trend, but increases are not so drastic. And now, let's hear today's letter from Bet to her dad.
Mrs Betty Souter, Unra Regional Office, Nan Chang, Changsi, 17th September 1946. My dear Dad, just a little hello and good morning, Pop, before starting work this fine morning. And is it a good morning? Yes, indeed. It is grey and overcast, but it is cool, cool, cool. The girls have just come in laughing because Anne Zola reports that she woke up about four o'clock this morning and could not go to sleep again because it was so comfortable. She said it quite seriously and, on thinking about it, I can regard it as a perfectly probable occurrence. A terrific rainstorm came up last night and after the subsidence of rain, the wind came up and stayed with us ever since. You can have no idea of the difference it makes to the bearing of everyone present We are just full of beans and enthusiasm. In a way, I can hardly blame these superstitious people for carrying around their tin gods and beating the drums, for I've seen the miracle work three times already in this city. Day before yesterday, there was a procession along our street and, on inquiry, we found that the prayer was for some rain and cooler weather. Look what we have got. I remember the last procession during the heavy rains when we had not got a break in the cloud for days. The procession staggered through the mud, shielding the black-faced God from the heavy downpour, and behold, the next day, the sun shone. There must be many times when it does not work, but I think that they forget those times. Anyway, I am equally thankful with them this time for whatever or whoever bought this cool, refreshing wind. I'm enclosing a copy of my first cabled report. These reports will now only circulate in the relevant departments of the China office and will not be distributed around amongst the regions as formerly. The monthly reports are now being condensed and sorted into complete monthly report for the whole of China. So that is how we will get the general news of the other regions. As the cable copy is rather hard to read, I'm enclosing my final draft from which it was copied. Tell me whether you are interested in getting these things and also whether you prefer the cable copy or the final draft. Newest member of the staff is Colonel Williams, mentioned at the end of this cable, and we are going to like him a lot, I'm sure. He's ex-Royal Dragoons, on loan to UNRWA from the Permanent English Army. He's a middle-aged man and very, very English. You will probably goggle at the figure in the report that has the seven zeros at the end. It is quite correct. We get used to talking in millions and billions, but I still have to count all the zeros on my fingers. The best that I have seen yet is a figure submitted by a Chinese government official when giving an estimate of the loss caused by the war in the city and district of Shunqiu, Anhui province. Loss was declared to be more than 20 quintillion Chinese dollars. I wondered why they bothered putting in the 820,000 at the end. Reminiscent of the sale price of goods at four pounds, 19 shillings and 11 pence halfpenny. One little detail that I've often made a mental note of, but always, I think, forgotten to put into any letters, concerns the manner of road making in China. There is no machinery involved. Everything is done by hand labour. The coolies laboriously carry stones from the creek beds in the little wicker baskets at the end of bamboo poles and tip them out onto the road. Then the coolies squat in their haunches and, with a little stone mallet, crack 
and break into small pieces each stone, one by one. When thinking of the clatter of a truckload of blue metal by the roadside and the subsequent tossing of same by shovel across the roadway at home, this method seems unbelievably primitive. The only modern trend of the road-mending group is the time taken off to sit by the roadside for smoko, together with the little triangular red and white flag that says, in Chinese, the equivalent of men at work. A few days ago, noise was suddenly lifted from the Unra compound. I mean literally. We could not understand the sudden quiet, comparative quiet, I should say, that had fallen upon us until we looked up at the sky and saw great flocks of herons and egrets wheeling up in circles and away. What a difference it makes. They made just as much noise in the night time as in the day. And it was a noise too. Apart from the enjoyment of this freedom from noise, we can now enjoy an easy walk along our tree-line pathways. I came through the summer without getting a blow, but few of the rest were so lucky. And those big birds could give one quite a blow too, believe me. Ah, well, I suppose we will have skunks in the winter time or some other amenity to replace our lost egrets. Time will tell. You have probably noticed that I'm using a different typewriter. I have put my corona aside, letting it have a well-earned rest and waiting for Keith to return and give it a thorough overhaul for me as promised. When the two new standards arrived a few days ago, I put in my claim for the use of one of the recent new portables and, of course, I got it, since I use the typewriter more than anyone else apart from the typists themselves. It is a nice little machine with one fault, however. The carriage sometimes sticks and one has to stand on one's head to release the margin release to get the thing going again. The staff are becoming used to seeing me inverted over the desk groping into the back of my machine and now take it as a matter of course. Incidentally, there is not a typewriter mechanic in this town, and we are lucky to have Keith, who is able to do any job at all that we put in front of him. Oh yes, I have to get used to the two shifts again, too, so you will probably find question marks and dollars in the most extraordinary places for a while. None of you have made comment on my new hairdo, and so I gather that you think that it's pretty grim. I'm inclined to agree with you, in spite of the many compliments I've received of it. You'll be glad to know that I will now be able to revert to the old style if the cool weather keeps up, though I'll meet with complications when I find that my hair has grown quite long in these six months. I have not had a haircut since I left home. Don't look the least bit like my passport anymore, do I? Suppose I'd better get down to work again. Nearly forgot to mention one of the things that impelled me to write this AM. Bill Duncan has told me that Shanghai office is of the definite opinion that there is no room here for a reports officer and economic analyst as well. We are both high-grade people and can be expected to combine the jobs. Therefore, either Cyril Fazel or I will be recalled. Whichever one of us goes back, Cyril is a higher grade than I, will either be posted to another region or to head office if there is a job available there, or will be repatriated. All personnel are being checked in every region and the unnecessary expense being cut out. One of us is to be withdrawn in accordance with this policy. I find that I am viewing the possibility quite impartially and, 
If I have to go, well, I have to go. And that is all there is to it. I will, of course, let you know any developments as soon as I know them myself. I definitely approve of the sorting out of personnel in this way. Far too many people were recruited and brought over here, many of them being told on arrival that there was really no job for them, but that a place would be found somewhere. Many regions are overcrowded with people who have little or nothing to do. Actually, I have tons to do, but I don't think that Cyril has a full-time job, though he makes work rather than read novels. He could do my job with his, and I could do his with mine. And that is how it will have to be very soon. I had better not start another page now. We'll put the rest of the news into a letter to Jew, which I intend writing before the day's out. Lots of love, my dearest dad, from your Bet Bet Kiss. Production credits for this episode, produced and narrated by Warren Henry, the voice of Betty Souter by Helen Polkinghorne. And the featured tune in this episode, Guitar Polka, performed by Al Dexter and his troopers. It was recorded back in 1942, but not released until this year, 1946, where it rose to number one on the country and western charts, remaining there for 16 weeks. Thank you.